I'm trying to get oh, a pass. Recorded live. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Welcome Good morning. back. Good morning. A new day, a new possibility, a new module. How exciting. <laughs> um, well, let's begin before we even take roll by just centering in and doing a blessing and uh, a meditation, and we'll just uh, create the space for the perfect conversation to unfold as we continue our journey into the land of practitioner. (laughs) So taking a deep breath in and out. Just shaking off the morning sleepiness, allowing our breath to energize us. So let's take a deep breath in. And as we fill up our lungs, let's clench our breath, hold our breath at the top with a full, uh, with our lungs full of air. So just take a deep breath in and hold. And then bring in a little more air. And then squeeze all of your sex organs and your torso tight. And exhale. Let's do that again. A deep breath in, all the way up. Fill your lungs up very, all the way to the top. Sip in a little extra air. Hold it. Hold it. And exhale. And then gently closing your eyes and allowing your attention to fall lightly on your breath. Just following your stream of breath. Creating the intention to clear your mind so that you can clearly recognize the voice of God. And in the infinite space, we see a bright white light. As we place our attention on this light, it begins to grow and expand to fill our entire physical being. And then we notice as this bright white light transmutes into a vibrant violet light, deep purple light, this violet light of transmutation, of divine alchemy. We call in the ascended masters, angels, guides, and our ancestors that work in the light, that work with the violet flame of transmutation to support us now to join the sacred circle. As we observe the violet flame of transmutation grow and expand to fill our auric field, this is our 
energetic body, our etheric body, our auric field. We send waves of this violet light through our emotional bodies, transmuting any darkness into light, clearing our perception. We send this violet flame through our mental bodies. And then we allow the violet flame of transmutation of divine alchemy to grow and expand to fill the room that we are inhabiting, to fill the building, the block. Like a wave of healing light essence, this violet flame flows through the streets connecting us with everyone who's walking in the streets, driving in their cars, sleeping in their beds. We continue to go. We continue to flow. It flows into the ocean instantaneously enveloping the entire planet. And we see the globe soaked and saturated in bright violet flame. We see every citizen of this planet, we see all of the youth, all of the children soaked in this bright violet light, nurturing, uplifting, energizing, igniting a deeper awareness of love's eternal presence within and throughout. And as if a switch has been flipped, we sense a, a wave, like a sound wave, a bright white light extending from the violet flame that extends itself into infinity. So all there is is bright white light and at the nucleus of this light, a violet flame. And we just breathe in this light. light of Christ consciousness. An awareness of our unity with all life. And we take a breath of gratitude, grateful for the opportunity to come together, grateful for the opportunity to be the two or more who gather with the intention of experiencing a deeper awareness of love's presence, knowing that this creates the space for miracles to unfold. So we declare our miracle readiness. We place on the holy altar in our mind anything that might prevent us from being fully present here and now. Anxiety, worry, doubt, fear, shame, blame. Place it all on the holy altar in our mind so that we may alter our perception of it. Go forward in clarity of the truth of who and what we are, love's presence. We are love expressing itself in human form, playing in this illusion of separation, unwilling to succumb to the ego, the ego's narrative. We stand in the light of truth. We are the light of truth knowing that God is expansive and creative and powerful and abundant. 
we allow these attributes to pour forth and express as our life, asking for nothing because we know that there's nothing we need. It is all given, so we simply allow and enjoy and express and share. And we're grateful to do so, knowing that since we are all one, everyone reaps the benefits of our practice today, of our commitment to live in love. We're grateful to know that that is true. We release this word, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. All right. Hmm. Good old violet flame. Okay, so I believe everyone is on the call. Let me just double check that real quick. Uh, and Soki, you're on the call, yes? Yes, I am. Beautiful. Hi, Soki. And uh, Martha? Here. Great. And um, L.E.? Good morning. Good morning. And Jen O'Brien? Here. And Mark Ricker? I'm here. And Brandon Kniefel? Hi. Hi. All right, what a good group. Um, It's a pleasure to connect with you all in our fifth module. This, um, our focus is going to go uh, now on to spiritual counseling, spiritual mind treatment, holding the space, being the channel for healing. Um, And what's wonderful about this is it's not, doesn't just apply to um, a traditional spiritual counseling session. The things that we're going to be really looking at is um, about how our role as practitioners in the world and what is, you know, spiritual mind treatment. And, and in order to really understand that and to do it effectively, we have to know and really get clear on the nature of God, or at least be willing to become more willing to understand that we don't know. (laughs) And so to allow that, uh, to get out of the way and allow that which does know to come through and work through us. So working on our um, understanding of, of the worthiness that each and every one of us possess to be a teacher of God and to see what that means in your life, because it will be different for each and every one of us. There's a couple things I'd like to talk about uh, before we dive in, and we'll do a little check-in <clears throat> for the first part of uh, class, just so everyone can be current with your um, fellow practitioners. Um, <clears throat> but there's a couple um, technical things to go over, and I'd also like to talk briefly about the ministerial program that will be um, coming down the pipes pretty soon. First, what I'd like to talk about are the practitioner's workbook. Um, You all should have gotten uh, an email yesterday with a link to a uh, uh, Google Drive, uh, the Google Drive pages. So each week you're going to get the next uh, installment of the workbook. So it's broken down by weeks. 
Each module is 12 weeks. So there's 12 sections to each of these workbooks. Um, I think that this is such a welcome uh, addition. Uh, it's really helping, one, get crystal clear on the curriculum, which, you know, took a little while to do. Uh, there's been definitely adjustments along the way. Um, and uh, it just helps so much with homework, study guides, and how to sort of direct the conversation and the narrative. So each uh, module will have a um, sort of the, the uh, resources, research page, which is the first page. Um, and that will have a quote, and then it will have all of the resources that we'll be using um, for the week, both in and out of classes. It'll have, uh, it'll list what the homework will be, and so it's just an easy guide. The second page of the workbook will be a prayer, and this is a prayer to contemplate and, and use throughout the week. So I encourage you all to keep the copy on your phone, to print it out, use it in your morning practice, and say it out loud and allow the vibratory essence of the prayer to support you in your morning practice. Uh, this prayer, the week, this, this week's prayer is the Divine Grace Prayer. And then you'll have your worksheets, your homework assignments. Um, and these are the questions that, um, and how it's, we're going to start structuring it so it's a very easy model so that uh, other practitioners, you guys can um, begin to, like when we have new practitioners, um, you can facilitate classes because it's a much easier model. And so the first half of the class will be reviewing the homework. So it's essential that you do your homework so that you can contribute to the conversation. And uh, we're gonna, we're gonna if, if, let's say we're at a level six right now with accountability around homework, we're gonna gear that up to a 9.5. <laughs> so do your work, read, read the reading and uh, do the written work. It's all supporting you in, in developing a deeper level of integrity in your practice um, and in the program. Um, and then, Sometimes, this isn't an always thing, there'll be a playful practice. Like this week, uh, there is a playful practice. You guys will probably have um, uh, more of these on a weekly basis because the practices typically are going to be uh, composing prayers. And why that's important for you all right now is because our affirmative prayer work is our spiritual mind treatment. And so it's just strengthening your muscles to uh, masterfully um, use the GODS method as your healing work because the uh, prayer treatment is your tool as a practitioner. And, um, you know, a lot of people like Jacob Glass doesn't do spiritual counseling. He only does prayer treatment. So you pretty much go to him and you, you talk to him about what it is that you're interested in creating and then he does prayer treatment around it. So he's not interested in getting into the story of what you think happened necessarily. Um, he just wants to get right down to the treatment. Spiritual counseling is a little different because you create this, a safe space for them to sort of process their experiences as you listen for patterns that you can sort of guide them to um, developing awareness around. And then you conclude always with this prayer treatment. So um, anyway, so we're going to get really masterful in prayer prayer masters. 
Um, yeah, so you'll get these. Um, you'll get your new uh, workbook Fridays at noon. So you can look them over before class on Saturday. And um, if there's like in-class reading that you'll need to prepare, it'll just let you know what, what, what you've got to have ready. And then it'll have your homework for the week on it. So does anyone have any questions about the workbook? I did not receive one. Elaine. Who's got? Ellie. Are you sure, Ellie? Because you're on our list. Yeah, I just I just looked double looked when you were I looked at my junk too and I don't see it. My junk mail also. Ellie Wallace Productions at gmail dot com. Yeah. Hold on, I'm forwarding it to you right now. Okay, thanks. Um. All right. One uh, note, we made an adjustment last night to the homework. Uh, so just double check when you're looking at your notebook. Um, if you could do me a favor, just double check and make sure that the, pr the playful practice is to compose a prayer for grace, not a prayer for peace. Initially it was peace, but I, we changed it so it's a prayer for grace. That's sort of the idea for the day. So just uh, when you look there, it should be changed on everybody's because it's the um, uh, yep the Google Docs. It's okay, it's great. Yep. Okay, good. Yep. Rock and roll. Cool. So yeah, it's a workbook. Awesome, right? <laughs> okay. Uh, any other questions about the notebooks? And Ellie, just confirm with me when you when the email comes through. Okay. Pretty self-explanatory, right? <clears throat> um, I do encourage everyone to print these out and have a clean uh, copy uh, that you can <clears throat> uh, refer to uh, as a resource for yourself when you're out there, when you're leading workshops, groups, discussions, counseling, and all that stuff. Anything with the Inspire You watermark on it is uh, property of Inspire. So even though we don't own a lot of the resource material, like the books, like I don't own Goldsmith, I don't own A Course in Miracles and stuff like that, the curriculum uh, we do own. Um, so if you're, I just ask that you don't share this the, with other people because it is specific to the Inspired Spiritual Practitioner Licensing Program. If you would like to make copies for anything, just run it by me and let me know what it's for and I'll give you the thumbs up or whatever. Cool? Cool. So I'd like to briefly talk about the uh, upcoming ministerial licensing program. Uh, I've been flushing out the, uh, you know, it's going to be the first year. So in essence, it's going to be a little bit of a beta test, um, like our first year with practitioners were. Um, and I'm getting very excited by it because uh, I've been having meetings with some of the ministers that will be teaching in it. I met with um, <clears throat> uh, Reverend Michael yesterday, and he's going to be doing uh, a whole focused series on um, deepening your uh, concepts of spiritual counseling as a minister. And so it kind of takes the work that you've done as a practitioner and goes a little deeper with it. 
explore some of the history of therapy, of counseling work, uh, and also talks a lot about transference and countertransference and how to observe it without, you know, it's a deep conversation, but it's going to be really great. Reverend Candice is going to uh, do a um, some work on uh, ethics, uh, ministerial ethics uh, in the community and out in the world. Uh, uh, Reverend uh, Alfreda is going to, we're going to do some stuff about um, community outreach and community support, activism, things to that extent. Um, and uh, I believe that Reverend Roxy is going to support me in doing some of the more of the baseline philosophical studies, going deeper with the Course in Miracles, going deeper into non-dualism. We'll explore some other texts that can support us in understanding that even more. And then uh, we'll also do a lot of work on crafting sermons, um, public speaking, things like that. And um, it's going to be a really exciting program. A big change in the Inspire, uh, a, I will say growth in the Inspire community, is that we, are, we have begun the integration process for the meta model. Um, most of you were at the training with Mark Anthony Lord last year. Uh, he's created a year-long integration model. Um, and uh, it's very hands-on. It's very, uh, you get to work with him, which is very exciting. And we started that yesterday. It was the first round where he meets with the ministers and the people who will be the directors of the program. And so uh, one of our board members is, is supporting me with that, and it's going to be great. <clears throat> um, an aspect of that training is the leader champion training, and that's a two-month-long program that you work directly with Mark Anthony Lord, and it's all about um, group facilitation, uh, inspiring others, people who can be facilitators and leaders, how to do that, how to hold that space for them. And it's a two-month process that's going to be January and February. And after looking at that and really thinking about it, that's actually going to be the uh, prerequisite to the ministerial course this first round. Um, and to see how it goes, it's free, uh, and it's um, online, and it's with Mark Anthony Lord. So it's a really great opportunity to work with him directly, which is a total gift for any leader. And so uh, that's going to be part of the uh, initial prerequisite training for the ministerial program. And then after that concludes, which will be mid-February or into February, We'll start with the official uh, curriculum of the ministerial program, probably beginning the first week of March. Um, and yeah, so uh, I don't have a cost yet. If you are in this group, I have opened it up that you can start the ministerial program while you're still doing your practitioner program. We'll create a price that will cover both programs and it's uh, it'll be like, obviously something completely reasonable. That and It's not going to be any more than anyone else's pain, but it might just be a little more than you're paying right now. Um, what my gut says is probably going to be $150 a month um, because, uh, uh, because there's other teachers that I need to be able to compensate for their time. Um, so we need to have a little extra going into the pot. 
to support them. It's a year-long program, four modules, three months per module. Um, the, uh, you'll have a weekly class, and then there will be um, an additional two classes a month that you'll do with like Reverend Michael, Reverend Candace, Reverend Fried, and all that stuff. So um, we a total of, I believe, six classes a month plus service work, and there's going to be um, a project similar to a thesis that will be involved in it, and then a set of series of panels that you'll have to um, do to get your license. And yeah, so uh, any baseline questions that anyone has that are coming up just as uh, and you know I'll have an informational call on this where we go much more in depth on the ministerial program uh, probably in the next three weeks but uh, does anyone have any questions right off the bat about that that you'd like to ask I have just two two quick questions um, uh-huh it is is it still uh, like once it starts at the beginning of March? Is it still a one-year program? Yeah. Okay, great. And you mentioned something about panels. What exactly are those? Yeah. So like um, panels will be where there will be um, like for practitioners, you'll have an oral panel. You'll have an oral exam where it's a panel of ministers, and we just talk about the basic philosophies and ideas that we've covered throughout the um, the program. And so for the ministers, it'll be similar, where you'll just probably <clears throat> meet with the ministers and we'll have minister talk and just uh, see where you are with some of the ideas, philosophies, perspectives, and then offer you guidance to, uh, to deepen your, to either expand your perspective or support you in deepening your skills as a minister. Got it. Great. Mm-hmm. Jesse, so it starts March. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I need to, uh, uh, the beginning of the year, just administratively, is really intense for Inspire. And then uh, we have the uh, retreat for practitioners, which is a whole other administrative thing. And so then we have our uh, big fundraising push and our anniversary. So I'd like to get through all of that before we start a brand new program. So beginning of March, yeah. Cool. And the prerequisite, the, the training with Mark Anthony Lord will be January, February. This is Ellie, and I just want to say I'm very excited about it. Oh, cool. Are you going to do it? Yeah, I totally want to do it. Oh, what a really bad-ass excited. decision. Oh, my, yeah. that made me so happy. That's great. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, Brandon and I were both talking about it on Sunday. That we're really oh, wow. For it. Yeah. Yeah, I know Brandon wants to do it, too. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. That's it. Sweet. Cool, dudes. Wow. We're uh, creating a new world together. <laughs> Okay, so let's check in. Uh, any other questions about anything? Anyone? Okay, cool. Great. All right, y'all. So let's, uh, let's dive in. I'd like to begin by just checking in with everyone. We're going to take a half hour just to 
stay current with the crew, and then we'll take a break, and we'll go into A Course in Miracles. So um, let's start at the top of the alphabet. Brandon, what's going on? How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm in Michigan right now visiting family. I wanted to come here at the close of the show so I could kind of like ground a little bit and get back to um, real life. Uh, Yeah, and I'm here. Uh, It's funny that you said that about affirmative prayer in the past couple of weeks. I've been compiling a lot of the prayers that I wrote um, because I, I'm, I've, I've realized that that made such a difference for me um, when I was in the house filming, um, actively doing the affirmative prayer, you know, whether out loud or to myself. So, you know, people have approached me about um, the way I was on the show and um, I often just say from a prayer mind treatment and they're like, I know what that is. I'm like, you know what? It's time to put more information out there about it, at least on my website. So, you know, not being afraid to just get, cause you know, it's easy to talk about law of attraction stuff in today's world. It's not easy to talk about prayer with people. Like that's when a lot of people kind of shut down, but you know, I know that there's, so many people who are open to listening to that and, um, you know, whether that like um, makes the group I communicate with more concentrated or not is none of my business. Um, I just feel a calling to get back into the writing of that for myself, my own sanity and um, inevitably to, you know, help the world. So, um, yeah, I have a really fun project I'm doing next week that um, I can't wait to talk about on Saturday with everyone. Um, but trying to just get realigned and focus on what matters and really talking about humility a lot more and um, humility being uh, just a synonym for reality, just getting real about where I am in my life and what I'm aiming to do. So that's where I am. Love it. Any prayer requests? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, to, to not get too deep into everything right now, but a little bit, I'm, I, the show was a blessing because it made me look at uh, where, where I still have blocks in relationships. So um, prayers around, uh, you know, not pushing people away in general, friends, romantic relationships, you know, that's something that I'm uh, now working on is kind of just like riding the wave of the ups and downs of relationships and not pushing people away. Love it. Relationships, not pushing people away. Got it. Cool. Running it down. Thank I'd like you. to start uh, doing a prayer at the end, uh, checking with people about prayer requests and then doing that at the end so everyone can um, 
connect. And we're also going to be doing going back to our prayer partners. I want to get more on top of that. So we'll give prayer partners at the end of class. Thank you, Brandon, for sharing. I love you. It's good to see you last Sunday. Love you too. All right, cool. Um, a, B, so let's uh, talk about uh, Jen O'Brien. What's going on? Hello, people. Um, so much is going on and so little. It's interesting, isn't it? Uh, I'm very busy, but there's a really, I'm just busy because of work, right? There isn't really anything going on. Um, and, and what's going on with me is, you know, when we take these little breaks from class, I, I guess I kind of take like a break from spirituality altogether. And that was becoming really illuminated for me. This week, I had a I had a call with a spiritual teacher, and uh, you know she was giving me some messages from my angels, and you know the message was kind of like, hey, like you know what you're supposed to be doing, you're just not really doing any of it. Could you maybe do more? <laughs> you know, walk the walk. So uh, that was kind of a big. Um, shake up for me, you know, I am being super lazy with my spirituality and being super uh, sort of one foot in, one foot out. And I kind of have been that way for maybe the last three or four years. So it's like I participate in these classes because I know that it's where I should be and what I should be doing. But then I only kind of half participate because I'm so busy and everything feels so, you know, I feel so overwhelmed by tasks and all this stuff, so all these excuses that I've cultivated to stay lazy. Um, So I'm definitely getting a lot of messages, and then that was followed up by a counseling session that sort of reaffirmed that, like, yeah, I'm also not feeling very joyful in how I'm currently being, so maybe there's an opening to... uh, try something new and maybe feel more joyful in that. So it's kind of where I'm at. I'm like, I'm getting ready to step off the cliff. And I'm excited that this class is back on Saturdays so I can have my weekly pep talk. And uh, I'm, I'm working on 2017 being a super mindful, super conscious year for me. That's it. Beautiful. Okay. Well, you know, we're here to support. (laughs) Um, Any prayer requests? Um, You know, a prayer for releasing resistance. That's it. Beautiful. Done. Done. Lovely. All right. Ellie. Hello, everybody. Um, well, what's going on with me is I'm in the middle of a very, like, dragged-out lawsuit for, since 2014 of October. I was in a really bad car accident with Gray. And um, so it's been uh, dragged out now for two years. Our car was totaled. I mean, it was a really – I had a head injury. Um and um, finally, uh, court is November 20th and 21st. 
and um, it really determines, um, and that's, it's just, it's finally coming to an end, but I'm really putting out um, just positive energy of just that it's not as, um, I guess, brutal as my lawyer is uh, trying to prepare me for in, in regards to them digging in my past and bringing up every mistake and every anything that has ever happened in my life um, and it becoming public and it's just, it's, he's just explaining how the process goes. That they're just very, you know, ruthless and will say and do anything to paint me as just a not well-adjusted person in society so that they don't have to give me, you know, the money that is, you know, owed from the accident, basically. So I'm just being positive that and putting light and, um, energy uh, that is all just that the universe, you know, my angels and everything positive is in that courtroom those two days, softening, um, you know, the energy and the experience. But I also look at it as um, it's probably very interesting that um, doing the spiritual work and going through this, you know, at this particular time, um, to have all of all of my past and all of my mistakes and everything possibly negative that I have done or been or they could say about me thrown in my face in a public way in front of all these people of how far I have come in my spiritual growth is am I to let that penetrate me, you know, or um, what do I still have to work on? What is triggering me? What have I forgiven about myself? That type, you know, I don't know. So I'm looking at that too, the possibility of that. And it has put me and, and my ex back in communication again because she's a witness in the case. And we have, um, it's really brought us, you know, in a really beautiful place right now together. So there's that. All right. Miracles all around. Yeah. When you're available. <laughs> When you're available for them, they, they tend to show up. So thank God. Um, and prayer requests? Uh, please, just um, a positive outcome. That, that, it's, that it's a soft place to be, you know, as, as soft as it can be on the 20th and 21st. That angels and positive energy are surrounding that courtroom, the judge. But the judge can see us through. The, the the darkness that they're gonna bring on in. Yeah. Okay. Cool. You got it. Beautiful. Good to hear your voice. And uh, Mark. Good morning. Um. Good morning. So, uh, where am I at today? Um. It's interesting that um, the last few months I've been doing a lot of work um, internally uh, uh, with my mother, I just mean, you know, in, in my own space <laughs> about her. And uh, it's interesting how much this past week has really, like, brought up the depth of, of that stuff that I am healing um, and just having me look at it in different ways. Um, and 
what I find really interesting is as um, I think really starting to get more centered um, within myself around, you know, feelings of, of trauma um, that, that I, I kind of been holding on to and starting to let go of those. Like I'm just feeling more resonant um, with who I am um, and what I want to stand for and um, what, I, what I want to be um, for myself uh, and in this world. So I'm, I'm in an interesting place where there's a lot that's coming up and it, it's challenging to work through it. But as I'm working through it, like, I really feel like I'm coming through and coming out into another place um, in how I see myself. And that is really exciting. I don't know where it's heading, but I do know that wherever it's heading, it's going to be a much broader, more expanded, and and more empowered version of me. And, And I look forward to that. So... That's the place that I'm in at the moment. Ooh, so am I. Well, like this new expansive version, like dress differently or maybe like wear a hat or something. Like how do we know when it's happened? Maybe so. Wait and see. <laughs> I'm looking at some options. <laughs> the expansive mark wears a cake. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, prayer request? Um, prayer request is interesting that uh, this week's uh, workbook is about grace. Um, I, I think for me this week with uh, just really having deep grace um, as I'm working through my own stuff, as I'm holding the space for us all to work through what is going on in our country and the planet at the moment, um, of just really having real grace and in that just to be in acceptance and in flow and just to meet it without resistance, but with compassion and understanding. Cool. Got it. Cool. Thank you. Martha. Hello. Um, I'm good, I guess. <laughs> My life is not too complicated. Um. I think I'm like Jennifer. When we stop having these classes, I just go in this other place. Like, um, I could be really spacey, really numb, and I tend to, I guess, vacation in that numbness. Um, but I also know it's because I tend to take other people's energy. Um, so. I'm grateful, like we say, you know, to have guidance stuff because I do have a friend and he called me up and he, you know, he gives me messages. Um, And so he got um, a native woman appeared to him to give me a message that I needed to start meditating um, regarding my dad because I tend to close, you know, He's my, I guess, greatest greatest teacher in this lifetime for me. So um, that kind of put me back on track this week. Um, other than that, I think I'm just dealing with um, just the sadness of how the elections went. Um, 
I didn't think I was I was gonna be affected the way it was, but uh, I am affected still. I'm still going through the emotions and stuff. It's just a lot of sadness. Um, but also, I I realize like how much more I just know and trust God's plan, and I know that it doesn't look the way I thought it would look. But I know that He knows best, and um, just a reminder to respond. And trust and um, and more kindness because, as I think, you know, when we get so angry and I think in my own life, I've been having issues with the parking with my neighbor. So just in that aspect, um, just in that way, I could improve a little or a lot. And um, other than that, I'm good. Um, so as far as prayer requests, I would just, just for for peace, for everybody to respond better to whatever's coming and for our president-elect, also for him to make decisions that um, coming from a place of love and just for all the world leaders because they make the decisions and it affects everybody that is under their, you know, who we're, we're under. And just for myself as well to respond in a more loving way in every situation. And so that's all. And I'm just glad we're back in class. Yes, beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you, Martha, for sharing. And uh, last but certainly not least, ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to bring to the stage Miss Soki Paulin-Yee. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. Uh, for me, this past uh, few weeks has um, led me into a deeper uh, meditation. Now, most of the time, I spent my time early in the morning doing my water practice and meditating. Uh, taking myself into the vortex, in the non-judgment world of the spirit. Because in the vortex, there's no judgment. There's only happiness, joy, love, peace. So I found myself there, especially during the the election, after the election, that uh, because my, my wife, Carmela, oh, she was really crying. And she never opened the television for two days. After now, she doesn't want to see the news, but I respect her. And she got sick. I was nursing her. She was so upset. And I always, uh, and she doesn't even want to, want to talk to me. So I'm in that situation. And at the workplace, we have the same uh, collective feeling of sadness, but what I I told myself, I know I'm already perfect, whole, and complete. But at this time, I would be more, more loving, more compassionate, more beautiful. So, in the morning I wake up, I sing, and I'd like to sing to you my song. In the morning of my life. I shall look to the sunrise at the moment in my life when the sky is new 
and the blessings I shall ask is that God will grant me to be brave and strong and true, and to fill the world with love my whole life through, and to fill the world with love, and to fill the world with love, and to fill the world with love my whole life through. So I think that at the noon time of my life, I shall look to the sunshine when the sky is blue. And again, the same question. And at the night time, in the evening of my life, I shall look to the sunset at the moment in my life when the night is due. And the question I shall ask, only I can answer. Was I brave and strong and true? Did I fill the world with love my whole life through? Did I fill the world with love? Did I fill the world with love? Did I fill the world with love my whole life through? So I've been saying that, and that's part of my mantra every single day. I love you all. So, you know, I don't think that came through clearly. Could you repeat your share so we can all hear it? What did you say? I said I don't think we that came through very clearly. Could you repeat that? I'm not sure anyone heard that. What you what you shared. I just. Uh, I'm kidding. I'm, jo- I'm joking. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my God. Now we have something to look forward to when we play the class back. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite oh, relationships yeah. in the world is Jesse and Soki's relationship. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. What a coincidence. Oh, um, so let's, we have uh, nine minutes before 9.30. So let's just take a minute and um, let's talk a little bit about the election and process it a little bit as a group. And we don't have to be spiritually um, enlightened about it at the moment. But we, since we are in our practitioner class, we have to, um, we have to remind ourselves of a few things. So, uh, first thing, Brandon, in your own words, can you please give a, uh, can you please explain to the class the law of cause and effect? Why did I not think that it was going there? (laughs) The law of cause and effect. I'm blanking for some reason. Um, Okay. Hey, listen, it's, it's morning. You're at home in Michigan. Um, it's okay. You don't have to know the answer right off. Would anyone like to share, in your own words, the law of cause and effect? What you do comes back to you. What you yeah, saw, you reap. That's, yeah, that's an aspect of it. Knowing what we know as practitioners, that 
um, everything in the external world is an extension of what? The inner world. Yeah. Our beliefs. Exactly. Yes. So the baseline idea of the law of cause and effect is that our thoughts create our experiences. Okay? Our thoughts are creative. That is law. And so most of everything that we study reminds us of this, that what we focus on, we create more of, right? And in the collective experience, it's what um, the majority of us focus on is what we create, you know, thought uh, forms are thoughts arising from the invisible. So form arises from the invisible and disappears into the invisible. So it's everything that we experience are thought forms rising, thought forms rising, thought forms rising. Now, during this election, if you turned on the news, who was the news story probably about? Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Even if it was a smear campaign about Donald Trump, if you were talking about how much you did not like Donald Trump, who were you still focused on? Trump. Trump, yes. And I had this sinking feeling (laughs) from the get-go. I'm like, you know, I really wish that people, they'd stop doing so many news stories on Trump and start doing more on Clinton because... uh, it's planting the seeds in the collective mind. The focus was on Donald Trump. And no one took him seriously, and that was a really big mistake. So, well, I'm not going to say it was a mistake. How could it be a mistake? Remember Byron Katie 101. When we argue with reality, what happens? We suffer. We suffer. So if you're under the impression that Donald Trump shouldn't have won then you're arguing with reality and you're going to suffer, right? As it stands right now, he hasn't done anything except say a lot of words. And so we also know that when we live in the future, that we create fantasies. We project our own fantasies of what might happen. Truth is we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know yet. We just don't know. And um, What we do know as spiritual practitioners and just people that have ears is that he created a platform of fear and he's he's spouted a lot of um, hateful, fear-based things. He's made a lot of proclamations, but he's said a lot of things. And so I share this not because... uh, I'm not inviting anyone to take action or anything like that, but I am reminding us as spiritual practitioners that it is essential that we stay grounded in the present moment. When we're grounded in the present moment, we can be mindful, we can be present. We can observe what needs to be done, right? And it also is a call to become much more disciplined in our thinking because... We know about the, the, the law of cause and effect. Our thoughts create our experience. And so if you're interested in creating a new vision 
new possibility for the country, for the world, as we go forward to be able to be the bearers of love and light and stay firmly focused on the vision of what we know is possible when we lead from love and continue to do the work that calls to us. Now, who knows what's going to happen? You know, it's important. I think, I think um, what I noticed with some of my colleagues um, that was actually quite irresponsible, I think, is when they would get online and say, this doesn't matter. It's all an illusion. Because I was just thinking, what, how is that supporting people in any way? Like, how is that honoring the experiences that people are having? You know, to say that it's just an illusion, it doesn't matter. It feels very dismissive. And it doesn't feel loving, compassionate, or supportive in any way. And, um, you know, I feel like a lot of the wounds from the past rose up and people were experiencing that. But that doesn't mean we have to recreate it either. So I'd like to just open up and, and hear... Uh, and again, let's just be mindful of the time. We can't spend too much time on this because we do have stuff that we have to do, but I feel like it would be insane not to talk about it because it's what is happening in our country and we're here to be of service and support to those in our community. So we have to be able to at least get as much clarity as we can around it so we can offer support to people. Um, and also, let's get clear as to the spiritual principles uh, at work here so we can work with it and be uh, in alignment with, with our highest good and what we're standing in as practitioners, spiritual practitioners. So um, I'm going to open it up. And we'll go down the line again, and everyone can just sort of share um, if you'd like to. And if you don't have anything you really want to contribute or you don't really have anything to say, that's totally fine too. But uh, Brandon, why don't you start? I didn't, I didn't understand the request. Oh, I'm just giving you the opportunity to share your experience, uh, oh. <laughs> to ask questions or to uh, give your perspective. Oh, um, about the campaign in the election? Yeah. Oh, um, okay. Uh, I think the majority of the anxiety that I got regarding all of it was from the direct people in my life freaking out and um, and I, kind of what you said, I've been saying all week, I'm like, it's okay, we can grieve, but let's grieve for the facts. The fact is we had an opportunity to elect a very qualified female for the first time ever, and that didn't happen. And, you know, unfortunately, we will have to wait four more years, eight more years to be able to break that glass ceiling. That's a fact that we're, it's okay to grieve for. But I do not think it's useful for us to be grieving all these things that have yet to happen. And furthermore, it's weird because um, I don't know, sometimes I'm able to step outside um, a lot easier than I think people in my life. So I see, I'm like, I see how there's m machines at work and the fear is very cyclical. and. Um, and I literally have to step out and be reminded what Venerable Tahani said that, you know, I'm only interested in turning on the news and watching it when I'm trying to pay attention to where I need to direct my prayers. 
Um, and also, I don't know what anything is for. I really don't. Um, you know, a lot of times, and I've said this before, when I'm trying to clean out my damn closet, I make a huge mess of my bedroom. And halfway through, it looks like I've actually made matters worse. And I think, you know, for a country that's been dying for um, a change in infrastructure and in reassessing how so many aspects of the government and institutions are out of sync with a lot of the people in this nation, I think we might need, you know, kind of a fire to burn through all of it. And it's not my place to say who's best for it, but I think, you know, on a, on a, on a scale, it, it looks like there's enough people that think that this man can um, um, create change. And there's a lot of realities that I need to um, uh, just face in regards to what is really true and what is um, fear. And then also, uh, you know, it breaks my heart when I see all these nonprofit organizations that are so close to getting it, and then they go back to the protests and the anger and the demonstrations um, without actually demonstrating in the way that we, we as practitioners hope to demonstrate. So it's like, I honestly, like, no one has any energy left to do good if we're spending it trying to undo someone else's um, victories. And, you know, in the realm where anything is possible and that we're all united, the best way to heal is to um, forgive any misbeliefs we've had around this election, anything we've held against Donald Trump and his campaign, and demonstrate that way and hope that in our demonstration, people are transformed because it is actually more meaningful in this three-dimensional realm for Trump to have a change of heart than for Hillary to have a change of heart because he has represented something that has been so oppositional from what we've come to believe as progressive. So if we are really like saying like, let's bring on big miracles in the world, then we need Trump at the forefront of it because he's the identified opportunity for us to heal. He's not the enemy. He is everything that um, he has brought with him a lot of the communities that we've wanted to fear for so long. And all it's doing is bringing up that which was untreated all along. It's not making matters worse. It's just revealing the areas where we're still wounded. And I think that's yep. fine. <clears throat> yep, 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 yep. True forgiveness, guys is the ability to see the face of innocence reflected back to us. So uh, Donald Trump is a child of God. Donald Trump is an expression of the divine on the planet. And we have to be willing to see that, <laughs> believe that. And, you know, I think to Brandon, to sort of piggyback off what you were saying a little bit, I think that we wanted to believe that the country believed the same things that we did. And, you know, to be honest, most of them do because she won the popular vote. So that 
um, I would say that, and it was by a slim margin, but, you know, that is indicative that there are more people that do share our sensibility. And it also is a call to start listening more. You know, we have to listen. We weren't listening to people. And this idea that your ideas, your perspective, yours, whatever is bad and ours is good, that just creates more of a wall and more of a divide. So it's time to be willing to show up and listen. We have to be willing. And, um, yeah, thank you, Brandon. Um, Jen, any thoughts that you'd like to say? <clears throat> well, um, I look forward to uh, Saturday Night Live being funny again. And oh, right. I will say that for me, like, I am at peace with what happened. Obviously, I'm not happy about it, but I'm at peace with it. And um, what are, where I'm struggling is trying to have conversations with people is just I'm really struggling to find, like, at what level people are willing to hear what I have to say. And I, I just think, you know, my first couple attempts at having a conversation about, hey, let's move forward from this and let's be positive and let's, um, you know, didn't, didn't land well. And uh, so I'm just really avoiding all opportunity to say anything um, because I feel that my words are being perceived as, you know, kind of what you said, Jesse, kind of dismissive or, uh, or people are just, you know, not, not willing to, you know, people are just in the eye of the storm and I, I'm not feeling it. I'm not empathetic to where they are maybe, but that's been my experience, just having a hard time talking with people about it. And so I'm in a total state of avoidance. Yeah, you know, what I've really noticed is that people are hungry to find somebody to blame. They're looking for the right people to blame. And maybe it's the Bernie supporters who wrote in a, you know, uh, that wrote in a protest vote or the millennials who made a big huff, but actually, you know, the millennials were the lowest turnout to the voting to vote in this election, but they're the loudest to protest. Um, so what a wonderful lesson in responsibility. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, and when we're looking for people to blame for our upset, we're unable to take responsibility for our own feelings. This classic Byron Katie, we think they're to blame for the way we feel. And when we start to question that belief system, then we can um, release its power over us. Is it true? Is it really true? So this is the work that we get to do, both individually and collectively. It's interesting, like right away, there's, like tonight, there's an anti-Trump rally. And um, one of our inspired peeps is going, a young woman, and I wrote to her, and I was like, just, you know, a thought on that is, you know, go, you can go, go be a presence at the rally, but be, but really ask yourself, what are you pro? Write a sign. So you're teaching people that you're pro peace, that you're holding the vision of, you know, unity. So you don't have to be against Trump because that's just not a powerful or productive place to be. Okay. Uh, Ellie. Um, I kind of, I wrote a little thing on Facebook. I don't know if anyone saw it. I know you saw it, Jesse, about uh, the law. Yeah, that was really beautiful. Yeah, and that's that's just my sentiments on the whole thing. I think that um, the universe is going to take care of it and that we all need to 
accept the re- that this is the reality. You know, this is what God wants. This is what the universe wants. This is obviously on some co- collective consciousness that we chose um, or a majority chose to have. And I believe it's to, to bring to surface that darkness um, so that light can come to it. Light can't come until it's, there's an awareness. I think this is really opening up people to an awareness. Um, and I, I don't feel there's going to be another World War III or what people are in fear of because we're more evolved, we're more conscious. That what happened in our past and our history has made us more aware um, and conscious and more evolved. And if it goes down that direction, and um, I believe that this is a part of our transition as um, as the human race, as our consciousness is evolving, that this darkness that's coming, um, that is being brought upon, you know, our world or our country, um, is to make light out of it. And I think we all just need to stay positive. And um, the more negative we put out there and the more we have denial, the more we're feeding that negativity. But if we can put light and focus on positive and focus on um, the outcome, and like you say, pray for Trump, pray for him, put light to him, wish for his, you know, success, wish that, you know, he has a change of heart, wish, you know, put out that positivity that he's not really that person that he, you know, portrayed himself to be, and um, and 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 put positive for the best outcome for for our country, not just the country, our world, because we really, what happens here in the U.S. is such a ripple effect what happens, you know, in the world. It, you know, it all feeds off of each other. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Mark. I'm just going to start with saying how much I miss you guys and so happy to be back <laughs> together with you. Uh, everything everyone's sharing is just so inspiring and Oh, it makes me feel like I'm home again. Um, so thank you. Um, also, uh, you know, for myself, I, I agree with everything everyone's saying. Um, it's kind of the space I, I've been holding as well. Um, is you know, it's interesting. I, I was talking to a couple people this week, and you know, I was saying how it's interesting that you know, as light workers, you know, when we're living in and working in the daylight it's actually hard to see each other. Um, it's hard to kind of unite because there's so much brightness from the sun. It's, you know, the candle can't quite be seen as easily. But in the darkness, it's going to be so easy for us to see each other um, and to really come together. And if we're truly at a point of a true shifting um, of ages on this planet and energy, then, and it's for, time for us to come together, then, you know, how perfect that we're stepping into perhaps a more darker realm for the short term so we can really connect and see each other and really do the work that we're here to do powerfully. Um, so, so I'm really holding that as, as, as the opportunity I think we have um, of, of not making the shadow bad, but saying that the shadow is actually supporting us in our work and what we're here to do. Yeah, beautiful. I think I love the reminder Brandon gave us too is uh, that what Venerable Dahani said, um, which is to 
it's really showing us where to direct our prayers. And one more important announcement, I forgot to really uh, make this clear. Uh, the 29th, I think, Mark, you're out of town, but um, the 29th, Tuesday the 29th, Venerable Dahani Oahu, uh, 5 to 6.30 p.m., she's meeting with us, with the practitioners. And I'm giving everybody plenty of notice so you can make adjustments with your work schedules and things like that so you can be there. And then there's a half-hour break, and then she's addressing the larger community. And I'm going to invite everybody to be at both so you can get as much time with her in her presence and uh, listen to her teachings as you can. Uh, it's a real, 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 real gift. So uh, make sure that you mark in your calendars and um, – I don't, uh, I don't care what opportunity that comes up your way. If, if you're in L.A., uh, then the best place to be, I, it's not even judgment. I just think it's God speaking through me, is at the Heart Center. So um, uh, the link, $40 for both sittings, so we can uh, uh, offer her uh, her donation fee. And, uh, yeah, so be there, be square. Uh, Martha. I know you shared a bit about the election already, so if there's anything else you'd like to add, feel free. Just thank you. I think it just helps to um, hear what how everybody's feeling, and just I think there's hope. And like we said, you know, I think the fact that there was more people that did vote for her, um, whether she she didn't get the presidency, but there is more people being more conscious and more loving and um, I think I I do feel there's hope for the country and and like Brandon said I that was very helpful um, that we know that it's like it's all the stuff that was there um, so now it's in our face and it's time to work through it and in a more positive way for something better in the future for everyone. But just thank you. Okay. My first reaction was uh, a patriarchal ideology one, values of hatred, war, power and control over the world's resources, is, and all these uh, hatred are all patriarchal values of power and control. So the matriarchal, the opposite, which is love, inclusivity, caring, nurturing, loving, uh, that is what I would like to focus on. And uh, wherever I go, that um, what, whatever I do, whatever I speak of, I should focus on these values that I would love to see in the world. So there's more challenge. I, I think, for me personally, uh, we need to educate more people uh, on the values of um, matriarchal uh, Values of love, caring, nurturing, inclusivity, which uh, unfortunately that is what uh, Hillary Clinton is saying in her campaign. But, and um, that's what I see uh, a challenge to educate more uh, our children, our family on the values of matriarchal love, care. Nurturing, inclusivity, we are one. Here, here. <laughs> to live it, to demonstrate it, to keep our minds firmly focused on it. Um, you know, I, one last thing that I'll say, 
and this isn't to counteract, uh, this isn't to pivot from what Martha said, so don't hear it as that, but we have to remind ourselves that hope, hope is a, lives in the first stage of spiritual consciousness. That's in victim consciousness. Um, I think that a perspe- it's a different perspective. Uh, remember, in law, hope has no place in law. Law is absolute. And not necessarily, I think, for the collective, but at least in your individual practice. I'm going to encourage everyone to really look at where you hope things are going to work out versus where you're using the law to create the container for miracles to unfold, knowing that's what you're doing. And it's in that knowingness, it's in standing in that absoluteness of the law that that's where we create. And we should have expectancy. We should make demands of the universe and expect them to unfold because we're using the law. And with the collective, we can do the work. And also, I think that seeing people hopeful is actually a good sign that they're moving in the right direction because it's like hope is at least a stepping stone in the illusion towards a higher vibrational frequency. But uh, in our own life as practitioners, let us do away with hope and start working in law. So something to contemplate for the next three minutes. Um, So it's 9.48. I'll see you back at 9.51. Go ahead and use the bathroom, stretch your legs, and then we'll dive into A Course in Miracles. I love you all.
Okay. So we're back. Let's see here. Um, okay, let's just make sure everyone's back. Brandon, you here? Yep, here. Cool. Jen? Here. Awesome. Ellie? Ellie? Ellie Wallace? I'm back. Oh, good. Mark? I'm here. Martha? Here. And Soki? I'm here. Okay, cool. So we're going to do our in-class reading today and looking at our resource page and our new workbook for for practitioners, it says our in-class reading today is in A Course in Miracles, Manual for Teacher. And it's number 10 and 11. How is judgment relinquished and how is peace possible in the world? What an apropos (laughs) section today to read. So let's do it as we usually do. We're going to go, uh, we're going to read the whole section. Everyone will have a paragraph. At the end of the reading, we'll go back and uh, talk about anything that we'd like to, um, look at anything we'd like to revisit. You have to give me one moment because I forgot to get my highlighter. And... uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm really looking at the psychology of me. I love writing books. I love writing, having like things highlighted and reference points. And I don't know if it's helpful <laughs> or if it's just that I like all the colors and designs. Um, anyway, it's the really important questions that we have to ask ourselves as practitioners. Okay, so uh, we'll just go down the line. I'll do the first paragraph, and then we'll go, Brandon, you'll go after me. Jen, you'll go after Brandon, Ellie after Jen, Mark after Ellie, Martha, Soki. So Jesse, Brandon, Jen, Ellie, Mark, Martha, Soki. Just keep in mind who goes before you so you'll be ready to rock. I'm sorry. I missed uh, where we're reading. Well, you could uh, simply um, go to the reference page of the new workbook for practitioners. Um, it's number 10, oh. How is Judgment Relinquished in Course of Miracles? Manual for Teachers. Okay. Okay. Page 27 in the third edition. Okay, got it. Awesome. Okay. So, 10. How is judgment relinquished? Uh, One. Judgment, like other devices by which the world of illusions is maintained, is totally misunderstood by the world. It is actually confused with wisdom and substitutes for truth. As the world uses the term, an individual is capable of good and bad judgment, and his education aimed at strengthening the former and minimizing the latter. There is, however, considerable confusion about what these categories mean. What is good judgment to one is bad judgment to another. Further, even the same person classifies the same action as showing good judgment at one time and bad judgment at another time. Nor can any consistent criteria for determining what these categories are are be really taught. At any time, the student may disagree with what his would-be teacher says about them, and the teacher himself may be well and consistent in what he believes. Good judgment in these terms does not mean anything. No more does 
bad judgment. It is necessary for the teacher of God to realize not that he should not judge, but that he cannot. In giving up judgment, he is merely giving up what he did not have. He gives up illusion, or better, he has an illusion of giving up. He has actually merely become more honest. Recognizing that judgment has always, was always impossible for him, he no longer ex- attempts it. This is no sacrifice. On the contrary, he puts himself in a position where judgment through him rather than by him can occur. And the judgment is neither good nor bad. It is judgment there. It is only judgment there is, and it is only one. God's son is guiltless, and sin does not exist. The aim of our curriculum, unlike the goal of the world's learning, is the recognition that judgment is the usual sense. Judgment in the usual sense is impossible. This is not an opinion, but a fact. In order to judge anything rightly, one would have to be fully aware of an inconceivably wide range of things, past, present, and to come. One would have to recognize in advance all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in them in any way. And one would have to be certain there is no distortion in his perception so that his judgment would be wholly fair to everyone on whom it rests now and in the future. Who is in a position to do this? Who except in grandiose fantasies would claim this for himself? L.E.? Remember how many times you thought that you knew all the facts you needed for judgment and how strong you were. Is there anyone who has not had this experience? Would you know how many times you merely thought you were right without ever realizing you were wrong? Why would you choose such an arbitrary basis for decision-making? Wisdom is not judgment. It is the relinquishment of judgment. Make, then, but one more judgment. It is this. There is someone with you whose judgment is perfect. He does know all the facts, past, present, and to come. He does know all the effects of his judgment on everyone and everything involved in any way. And he is wholly fair to everyone, for there is no distortion in his perception. Therefore, lay judgment down, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. Now are you free of a burden so great that you can merely stagger and fall down beneath it. And it was all illusion, nothing more. Now can the teacher of God rise up unburdened and walk lightly on. Yet it is not only this that is his benefit. His sense of care is gone, for he has none. He has given it away along with judgment. He gave himself to him whose judgment he has chosen now to trust instead of his own. Now he makes no mistakes. His guide is sure. And where he came to judge, he comes to bless. Where now he laughs, he used to come to weep. It is not difficult to relinquish judgment, but it is difficult indeed to try to keep it. The teacher of God lays it down happily the instant he recognizes its cost. All of the ugliness he sees about him is its outcome. All of the pain he looks upon is its result. All of the loneliness and sense of loss, of passing time and growing hopelessness, of sickening despair and fear of death, all these have come of it. 
and now he knows that these things need not be. Not one is true, for he has given up their cause, and they which never were but the effects of his mistaken choice have fallen from him. Teacher of God, this step will bring you peace. Can it be difficult to want but this? This is one of my favorite sections of the book, by the way. Um, it's the section that I, I have little stars at the top of the page, uh, probably because it's, it's very, very useful. Let's start at the last paragraph. And using what's unfolding in the collective currently, we can use the election, we can use Donald Trump as a perfect example of this, of this uh, page, of this teaching. Um, So the outcome of judgment looks like this. All of the pain he looks upon is its result. All of the loneliness and sense of loss, of passing time and growing hopelessness, of sickening despair and fear of death, all these have come of it. And now he knows that these need not be. Not one is true. Um, for he has given up their cause. So what does this mean? Uh, this, is the, where he, this is specifically talking to the teacher of God. He has given up their cause. What, is, what does that mean? He's given up their cause. Let's reflect uh, back on... Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I was just... I presume in this they're saying there as the teacher has given up their cause, and assuming uh-huh. I did that right, then it just uh-huh. means that they, ha- they have released their attachment to believing something should be a certain way or not. Correct. Yes. Exactly. Because, listen, we're talking cause and effect, right? So the cause of the upset, the cause of... All of those things, the pain, the loss, the hopelessness, is the attachment to the beliefs, right? And our beliefs, our thoughts, create our experiences. So when we attach, when we detach from the need to be right, when we detach from our judgment, then we have the space to experience the peace of God. It reminds me of the conversation that we had when we were looking, uh, when we were having the conversation about um, forgiveness, and remember the article, it was the commentary we wrote by, we read by, um, oh, I think it was Alan, Rick, Robert Perry or something like that, or Alan Watson, um, about the section in A Course in Miracles, What is Forgiveness? And he talks about the qualities of an unforgiving thought and how they're, it's frantic, how it's clinging, how it's con- constantly gathering evidence to prove itself right, but how a forgiving thought does nothing that simply observes. <laughs> simply observes. And so to hold on to a judgment, it, holding on to a judgment is a lot of work. You know, holding on to that desire to be right is a constant work because you're constantly having to gather evidence to prove yourself right. And you don't get a break from it. And so when you give up the cause, when we give up our cause, then are we 
able to experience the peace of God. So like the first sentence in paragraph five, let's go up to paragraph five together. The first sentence, therefore, lay judgment down, not with regret, but with a sigh of gratitude. Now are you free of a burden so great that you can merely stagger and fall down beneath it. So who would like to give me an example of a judgment that is creating upset? And this could be one that you had or one that you're observing in the communities and your friends and your circles that uh, a judgment that is creating a lot of upset in people's lives around the election. That the Republicans are going to uh, overturn marriage equality. Beautiful. So that is, um, that's more of a fear. So I would say that, you know, that all Republicans are against same-sex marriage. Yes. Right, which creates a lot of fear fantasies. So the fact is, President Barack Obama is our president today, that the Supreme Court passed a law that made marriage equality the law of the land. And um, that, those are the facts. That's what actually has happened. So nothing else has happened. So everything else is a fear that extends from a judgment. It's a fantasy. And so we're working ourselves up when we are giving away our peace of mind about something that hasn't happened. And when we're living in the future, where does that take us out of? Right. Maybe the more accurate judgment, I think the one that I hear the most is Trump is unqualified. That's me judging him, saying whether or not he is or not. Yeah, great. Trump is unqualified. That's our judgment. What if he's, he's, he's the perfect, has the perfect qualifications to take us where we need to go in our phase of evolution as a country, as a planet? Do we have, are we qualified to make that judgment? What do we have to be able to possess in order to judge accurately? What, what do we have to be able to do in order to judge accurately? Right. We would have to be able to see all the presidents of the past, all the presidents of the future, and come up with some sort of data analytics around all of their different qualifications that, uh, and create some kind of scale to account for cultural evolution since just being a man used to be a qualification, but it's not anymore. And we'd have to know how each presidency affected every single person on the planet, you know, in order to be able to judge if that president was qualified or not, to even qualify who's qualified. Exactly. Yep, we'd have to be able to see in all directions of time and space and to be able to see all of the ripple effects um, and we'd have to be able to see it without judgment. <laughs> so uh, who on this call uh, has that ability? Brandon? No? Okay. It's a perfect opportunity. 
No, I set it up. I set it up for you. <laughs> um, yeah, no one, none of us do. And so it's saying you can't actually make the right judgment. It's actually impossible for you to make the right judgment. And, and it goes further on to say sometimes, you know, at one time, one thing is good judgment. And, you know, the next week, then the same thing is bad judgment. You know, we flip-flop because things are always in a constant state of flux and we don't really know and it's all about perception anyway so uh, as long as we still have opinions judgments and skewed perspective based off of our interpretation of the past and we can't actually judge correctly so if you are looking at Donald Trump as anything but uh, an innocent child of God then there's no way that you can judge him and him accurately so why try because if you do you just get upset and worked up and you pull yourself out of the space of peacefulness, which is where we're supposed to be when we're in alignment with God. So, and then we're not present. We're not available. We're living in a fantasy future. That's where, that's where the fucking nightmare is. It's in our fantasy future. So, <clears throat> this is the work that we need to do to help us just be peaceful. And that's the name of the game, is just to be at peace. Allow yourself to live a joyful life. And it is, it's proposing here, it's impossible to do that when you're in judgment. Because we, we can't do it right. We're not qualified to judge anything. So just don't. And then you can have some peace. And yet, in the realm of the ego, that feels like death. The ego, the ego is energized through our judgment. And so there's, you know, collective beliefs out there that are all ego beliefs that are going to tell us if you're not angry, you're not paying attention. If you're not upset, then you're not intelligent. You know, uh, a lot of people that like, Um, I have friends that don't pay any attention to politics because they don't feel as though uh, they're not interested in playing the politics game. These are people that have been Course in Miracles students for many, 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 many years. And I remember one friend saying, well, you know, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton both believe that they can be saved through politics, through government. And government is not my savior. I'm going to continue to go forward, go towards what I feel, uh, inspired by. I'm going to go towards what brings me joy. And none of that has to do with politics. So I'm not participating. And I had to look at my own judgments around that being like, that's irresponsible. You know, it's that, yeah, but, but it, there does come a time often in people's lives where they're like, I'm not interested in playing in the illusion anymore. It's not what I'm interested in playing in. And in the illusion, uh, there is a Deep, deep-seated belief that politics is going to save you. But it's all an illusion. So, they chose not to participate. Not my experience, but, you know, I, I can see where my judgment on their experience lies as well. So, ah, the world of thought. So, who has, uh, who has 
something to share about this section? Anything that stood out for you? Anything that you really particularly liked? Any new information? It's just a good reminder of my hamster mind. You know, I come back to this stuff every day and I pass my judgments and then I wonder at the end of the day why I don't feel any happiness. Yep. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's Brandon. Right. It's really interesting that you we read this because this was the only thing I've read in A Course in Miracles between um, the, the election results um, and the present. So, like, I automatically went to this section. Uh, I think it was one th Thursday, and then I went back to it yesterday. And for me, it was, um, oh, my God. Like, I, I'm so much happier when I'm not believing my judgment. And and that, not just with this um, election, but, you know, in my own personal relationships, like, why can't I just, like, Jennifer kind of sparks it in me. It's like, I go throughout my whole day with all these judgments of who, what, and why as opposed to being like, wait, am I actually feeling happy in this moment? And if I am, then why do I have to like find a judgment around it and then justify why I shouldn't be happy right now and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I think it was just interesting that we read, we read that today because obviously it's something that I need to be then in this morning. One of my first thoughts was like, dear God, I choose love, not judgment. Like dear God, I choose love, not judgment. like moving toward those loving thoughts instead of those judgmental thoughts. And <laughs> I just kind of giggled when I found out that that's what we were reading today. I'm like, wait, this sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. it de I mean, it definitely is. Definitely, I mean, it definitely feels like the vitamin C shot to all the madness of the election, doesn't it? Like that reminder of like, you don't know. You just don't know. So stop stop getting upset because you just don't right. know. Just yeah. stop it. And like it's and it's also like I'm done like being like being the person who thinks he knows because like and right now it's more applicable to my personal relationships. It's like I am in so much pain when I think I know what's best for you and for me. And I get reminders from the people that I'm in personal relationships with it, just like, just relax. <laughs> Which I'm like, mm -hmm. no, but these things are wrong, and you don't see that. And it's like, nope, that's just my judgment. Yep. <laughs> and, well, if you'll only, if you can only, if I can only switch your judgment over to my judgment, then we can all live in peace. Now, I need you to see what's wrong with you, and then we can be peaceful. <laughs> I need you. I need to enroll you in my misperception and my fear fantasy, so then we can all just get along. Right. <laughs> Anyone else on this section? I'll just say I I, I love this. 
this was so timely and so perfect. So thank you for bringing us back here. Yes. I'll take full credit for the Course in Miracles. <laughs> yeah, love it. Eat it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I could, I could. Okay, well, let's go on to the next section. How is peace, how the hell is peace possible in this damn world? Um, and Soki, you're going to begin. How is peace possible in this world? This is a question everyone must ask. Certainly, peace seems to be impossible here. Yet the word of God promises other things than seem impossible as well as this. His word has promised peace. It has also promised that there is no death, that the resurrection must occur, and that rebirth is man's inheritance. The world you see cannot be the world God loves, and yet his word assures us that he loves the world. God's word has promised that peace is possible here, and what he promises can hardly be impossible. But it is true that the world must be looked at differently if his promises are to be accepted. What the world is, is by a fact. You cannot choose what this should be, but you can choose how you would see it. Indeed, you must choose this. Again, we come to the question of judgment. This time, ask yourself whether your judgment or the word of God is more likely to be true. <laughs> Let's just, I'm going to reread that part just because I want us all to really think about that. This time, ask yourself whether your judgment or the word of God is more likely to be true. For they say different things about the world and things so opposite that it is pointless to try to reconcile them. God offers the, word, God offers the world salvation. Your judgment would condemn it. God says there is no death. Your judgment sees but death as the inevitable end of life. God's word assures you that he loves the world. Your judgment says it is unlovable. Who's right? For one of you is wrong. It must be so. The text explains that the Holy Spirit is the answer to all problems you have made. These problems are not real, but that is meaningless to those who believe in them. And everyone believes in what he made, for it was made by his believing. And to this strange and paradoxical situation, one without meaning and devoid of sense, yet out of which no one's, no way seems possible, God has sent his judgment to answer yours. Gently his judgment substitutes for yours, and through this substitution and understandable, ununderstandable made understandable. How is peace possible in this world? In your judgment, it is not possible and can never be possible. But in the judgment of God, what is reflected here is only peace. Peace is impossible to those who look on war. Peace is inevitable to those who offer peace. How easily then is your judgment of the world escaped? It is not the world that makes peace seem impossible. It is the world you see that is impossible. Yet, <clears throat> has God's judgment on this distorted world redeemed it? and made it fit to welcome peace, and peace descends on it in joyous answer. Peace now belongs here, because the thought of God has entered. What else but the thought of God turns hell to heaven merely by being what it is? 
The earth bows down before its gracious presence, and it leans down in answer to raise it up again. Now is the question different. It is no longer can peace be possible in this world, but instead, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? So the best analogy that I've heard recently of like the illusion was by uh, Reverend Roxy. And she said, consider the world we're experiencing like a virtual reality holographic game. And you have headphones on and goggles on and we're playing this game. And in this game, we're all separate from God right? And uh, we're living our lives and stuff like that. Consider Jesus, our friend, that has taken off the goggles and the headphones and are just waiting for us to finish the game. And so we hear like Jesus saying, dude, take off the, take off the goggles, man. And we're like, hold on, give me a second. I, I'm not quite done. I got to get to this election. Like, yeah, but the election's not actually happening, man. Like, it's just in the game. Like, let's, let's, get to, let's get back to how it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. I'm really invested in this, though. And so it's this, if we think of it in that capacity, it's a little funny. Like, we think that we live in this experience where peace is impossible, where there's, there is severe oppositions, where uh, aspects of the illusion can have power over other aspects and elements of the illusion. And it's simply saying, take off the goggles, dude. That's the peace of God. Is take off the goggles, man. Just in the game. But we're so invested in it because we forgot we're playing the game. We believe that this body, this character that we're playing in this game is everything. And the success in the world of this body, the amount of coins this body can collect, the... Uh, you know, the uh, partners this body can collect, the experiences this body can collect is everything. And when we believe that we have this body, then, you know, then part of the game is we've got to keep this body safe and we've got to keep this body alive so it can get to the next level. And we have to destroy everything that threatens it. We have to avoid it or destroy it. And so in that context, we now live in a violent, scary world where peace is impossible. And so this text is just simply saying, but there is a guide. We have a guide. The Holy Spirit is our guide back to God. The Holy Spirit is like our translator. And I always think of it in the sense of like going to Tokyo without knowing the language and without knowing where anything is. So you hire a translator and a guide to support you or else you feel like completely overwhelmed because Tokyo is so, there's so much things, you know, at every angle, like your, all your senses are, you know, sort of being engaged at once. And so it's helpful to have someone that can support you through the noise, through the distractions, so you can feel at peace, so you can get around, so you can have a good time. That's the Holy Spirit. It's your translator. It's your Tokyo translator. So when you look at things that seem like madness, when you look at things that seem overwhelming and distraught, we, this is how, like we talked about in Testimony of Light, it's that, it goes back to that wonderful story of that woman that by the earth standards didn't seem intelligent, but had such a deep relationship with her inner guides 
that she was much more, uh, that she was able to transcend to the next level of evolution much more easily than anyone else because she was so used to calling on um, her guides for everything. Well, in this sense, of course, miracle calls their guides the Holy Spirit. So being able to develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit in which you call upon the Holy Spirit for everything, to translate everything, that's what is going to support us in being a presence of peace during times of upset, which seems like turmoil. So it's not, is peace possible? The real question is, is peace not impossible? Uh, or is, uh, wait, is it not impossible that peace be absent here? Because peace is here. It's just our perception and our judgments that would make us believe that it's not. So who has something they'd like to share? Did anything stand out to anybody in this? Ellie, anything? Koki? Well, uh, going back to our inspire a mission statement, we heal our judgment and we promote peace, peace by peace. That is what I see in this. Because uh, given the patriarch, the reality or the illusion of the patriarchal world that we have, power and control over world resources, that's why there's war. And uh, how, where is peace in this um, real world or in this illusionary world? that we live in right now so i just go back to my vortex always always remind myself to go back to my vortex where there is no judgment but there's only love and all the solution in all the world's problems or challenges is already given in the vortex beautiful Does anyone else have anything they'd like to add? Anything stand out to anyone? You know, it, it, it's Ali. Um, it's very interesting. There's this girl in Texas um, who's been trying to court me, right? She just will not let up. And, um, you know, we were talking and stuff, and I, I wasn't really, I'm not, not really ready to date. Um, but I said, you know, we could be friends. And um, so she was just continuing to court me and court me. And then she had texted me an election night um, before we found out the results. She's like, hey, what are you thinking of everything? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, God, I really hope Hillary wins. This is, you know, this is really insane. And I'm like, what do you think? I'm, I'm like, who, do you vote for Hillary, right? And she's just like, no, I voted for Trump. It was like trying not to practice judgment. I literally was repulsed. Like, I, here is a gay, white woman who lives in Texas who is a liberal and votes for Trump. And I just could not understand the mentality of why. Like, why? And I, I still haven't spoken to her since that night. Like, I just stopped talking to her. And, and I know it's awful. Like, I'm trying to... Like, I have to come to a place of non-judgment, you know, not judging her. It's my perception. It's my crap. It's my stuff. You know, it's just such a perfect example of this. 
you know, of, of my judgment creating a disharmony um, with somebody else or something else. And it's the same thing that's happening on a global level. I and mean, it's a smaller scale, but it's the same thing, you know, of my belief and your belief and you're wrong and I'm right and, you know, and so I'm working through that whole thing. I mean, I'm fine now. I'm much better now. But I don't know. You know, nowhere, you know, to be able to love someone is to be able to see the truth in someone. The truth in someone goes beyond their body and their personality. It doesn't mean you have to like their political views. It doesn't mean you have to like the personality. And I think that there's a real misperception. I had this story, uh, I had this conversation with Reverend Roxy, and it really changed my life because it was so spot on. And I said, when I asked her, I goes, I said, what do you think is the biggest misperception or the biggest challenge that um, you recognize in, with spiritual students? And she said, the belief that in order to be spiritual, you have to do good in the world. And I said, wow, that's really a great one because, you know, there is that idea of like, well, I have to go, you know, I have to do, I have to do this volunteer work. I need to do this. I have to do this, 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 this in order to be, you know, to do my, to be a good spiritual student. I have to, you know, do X, Y, and Z because that's what spiritual is. And none of that's true. <laughs> none of it's true. And, you know, she's under the idea of like, you know, we're trying to fix something that isn't fixable because it's an illusion. It's all misperception. That's why the work is about, uh, it's, a, it's the inside work so we can create a new expression. It's not about fixing the world. It's about creating a new one. And, uh, and I really contemplated, like, what are the things that I really judged myself for as a spiritual person? Because I was like, oh, I'm not being spiritual enough. And it always came down to liking people. There were certain people that I didn't like or personalities that I did not like or things I didn't like and I thought I'm not being spiritual enough because I don't like this person. How am I ever going to master unconditional love if I can't even get unconditional like under my belt? And I realized I have full permission not to like people. I have full permission not to like, uh, not to like specific personalities. I can love unconditionally, but I don't have to like it. I can love Donald Trump and not like that he says that he'd like to, you know, overturn marriage equality and take it back to the states. You know, I can love Mike Pence knowing that he's an innocent child of the divine, even if he doesn't believe that. You know, I can like Rudy Giuliani. I can, I can, I can love Rudy Giuliani without having to like what comes out of his mouth because a lot of times what comes out of their mouth are nasty and hateful and hurtful and energizing a deeper... Um, level of, of separation through fear, through all of these things. So I don't have to like that, but I can love them. And I don't have to be affected by their perspective because now knowing what I know of judgment, they're just judging the situation. They're judging it inaccurately as well. That doesn't mean I have to go have lunch with them. You know, I don't have to force myself to be in a room with someone I don't like. So you don't have to like this girl from Texas. You don't have to like her political views. You don't have to like the fact that she voted for Trump. You don't have to like the fact that she voted for someone who says something that you don't like, but you can love her. Doesn't mean you have to date her. Doesn't mean you ever have to email her back again. You don't have to do any of that. 
It's not unspiritual for you never to email her back if you don't want to. If it doesn't bring you joy and peace to do it, don't have to. Thank God, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah, totally. I can totally have peace with that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right? Yeah, I love that. So let's all, to close, we're going to close out, we're going to pray, but let's go around the circle and everybody say one thing that they thought spiritual people had to do. What What is a perception? What is a belief that is in the collective conscious that we think spiritual people have to do? If you're spiritual, you do this. Let's start with Brandon. What's something that spiritual people do? Brandon? Are you on mute? Are you on mute, Brandon? Maybe he had to hop off early. Okay, so let's go to Jen. What's something that spiritual people have to do? Spiritual people put others first. Oh, yeah, super spiritual. Lovely. Um, Ellie? Is this what they really have to do or what you think they have to do? Oh, just what are some common beliefs that people have about spiritual people that you thought? Um, that you have to be friendly all the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Good luck with that, spiritual people. Mark, that you have to wear a lot of beads and sashes. Yes. Oh, well, if you don't, if you don't have a couple pairs of cotton pants and some flowing scarves and mala beads, then how could you possibly be spiritual? <laughs> Martha. Spiritual people do not get angry. Yeah, nope. Nope, 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 nope. They're perfect. And Soki? Practice non-judgment. Uh-huh, yep. Mm-hmm. God forbid, spiritually well judgments. I'll throw one in there, too. You've got to be vegan or at least vegetarian if you're going to be spiritual. You've got to be. Otherwise, you're just not getting it. All right, y'all. We're going to pray out. Uh, just to uh, remind everyone to look at your workbooks, your uh, reading assignment. It's the first chapter in our spiritual resources. I'm telling you guys, take notes on this stuff because it's brilliant material. It can get a little dense sometimes. Um, The work, uh, your worksheet, the written work is based off of the writing in uh, the first chapter. Um, Also, uh, there's... uh, uh, three attributes of God to define. You can just Google it uh, if you're looking for um, the right uh, definition. And uh, let's see. I think that's all I got for you guys. So uh, first chapter of spiritual resources, do the worksheets. Uh, you're going to write a prayer for grace after you do your reading and then post it in the Facebook group. I look forward to reading those. And I look forward to connecting with you guys later this uh, next week. So Let's pray, taking a deep breath in, breath of gratitude, always so grateful, grateful to know that where we are, God is. So we place any blocks that might prevent us from this deepening our awareness of God's presence on the altar so we can alter our perception of them. We're knowing that Christ lives in the relationships, and we know this for Brandon. We know that all of Brandon's relationships are beautiful extensions of perfection, of peace, of love, 
reflecting itself back to him, knowing that God is peace, God is love, God is expansiveness and connectivity. Knowing that free-flowing expressions of abundance and brilliance are working its way through Jennifer now. Knowing that all resistance has been put aside because there's nothing to resist. There's only, there's only love to allow. And so she's deepening her ability to allow that which already is to express itself freely as her life. Knowing that divine grace expresses itself through Ellie and harmony. Knowing that she's surrounded by guides and angels and love and light, knowing that she is the light of the world and she brings that light with her no matter where she goes, no matter what situation it is, knowing that the perfect outcome of this court trial is already done and the outcome is more love being expressed in the collective. Knowing that Mark is compassion, he practices true compassion. His perspective is expanding, his judgments are releasing and he is allowing the vision of God to work through his experience and seeing the innocence and the possibility in all people. Knowing that Martha is peace. Where Martha is, peace is. Martha is an expression of peace. How good it is to enjoy that experience. Knowing that where Silky is, God is. That all the light and love and joy of the universe is dancing through Soki, and we just see it, we acknowledge it, we know it, and we share all of this beauty, all this love, all this light with everyone because we're one with them, and in grace and gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. Amen. All right, Thank beloved. You yes, have at it. If you have any questions about the worksheets, just shoot me an email, and I look forward to talking to you soon. I love you guys. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye